This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together. Uh, and recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. A little sparse this morning <laughs> due to the weather. And uh, good morning to those over in uh, Stevens Point. Appleton canceled altogether. So, uh... I'm sure they're joining with us online as well as most of our congregation hopefully is joining us online as they were not able to make it into church today. Now, if this were a Packer game, they would have all been here no matter what, but I would never be so petty as to point something like that out. <laughs> People. I'm going to ask our ushers to get ready to come forward and uh, take the offering. We're taking a little early this morning because we're at the end of the service over the next several weeks. We're going to be waiting toward the end to give time for our legacy offering. I'll be talking a little bit more about that towards the end, but you guys can come down. We don't need a whole lot of you. This way. There we go. <laughs> give our ushers a hand, all those in Stevens Point this morning in here for the work that they do. This is our regular offering. Uh, this is what we do uh, every Sunday as a way of uh, building up and supporting the work of God that is here uh, at Celebration Church. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the blessings you have given to us. Now we return to you a portion of that that you've given to us. Blessed, use these monies for the advancement of your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All of you watching online, you can push a button there and you can actually give your offering that way. Hundreds and hundreds of people watch us online. Very few ever give anything. <laughs> Boy, I'm on a roll today. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Glad y'all tuned into this beating. Hey, isn't this platform amazing? Can we get a wide shot, director, lady back there? Give us a wide establishing shot. I want to see the whole enchilada. Are they seeing it? I'm just not seeing it. Is no one listening to me back? There we go. Isn't that gorgeous? That is so fabulous. Again, thank you for all those who did this work of putting all this together. It kind of looks like it does outside. Anyway. Very nice. All right. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. I want to read to you from the gospel this morning, uh, Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter. 
But in those days, Jesus now is talking about the end of all things. Some point, this world is going to come to an end. He says, in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So what does that mean? I don't know. Sounds bad. The stars of the heaven will fall. Again, I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. It's not going to be a good time. It's going to be an awful situation on this planet. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then verse 32, he says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not even me, the Son, but only the Father. Now that gives some theological questions. <laughs> what does that mean? Possibly just means in his earthly state. He didn't know. I don't know. But you know what? Every so many years, you hear of some complete nut job running around and announcing that they have figured out the day that Jesus is returning. What shocks me is how many people get caught up in it. And the phone calls I come. Is Jesus really coming on Thursday? He could, but I don't think so. All right? Besides, nobody knows. Anyone who says they know is full of baloney. So whenever, and it's always so many years, and someone will come up with a book, People run out and spend all this money uh, to figure out how they have deduced from mathematical analysis of the Greek and Hebrew texts of the date Jesus is coming is crazy. All right? You would think by now people would get a clue if you've been following this stuff for a very long time, as I have for a very long time, every so many years. Whenever anybody says they know, they don't know. Nobody knows. Not even the angels, Jesus said. And when he was here on this earth, he says, I don't even know, but the Father. So he says, take heed and watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and what I say to you I say to all watch exclamation point now there must have been something in the text that in, uh, denoted an intensity here where they put in an exclamation point but he's saying pay attention and watch now today is the beginning of the Christian calendar actually uh, it starts in what we call Advent um, the, the word Advent stems from the Latin word adventus, which literally means coming or arrival. And at the first Sunday of Advent, we flip the Advent candle. We'll be lighting each one uh, as we go along during this season. Um, now, many Christians mistakenly think that Advent is just about reflecting on the first coming of the Messiah when Jesus came the first time. And indeed, that is our emphasis, and we should reflect on that. It's a wonderful, glorious thing as God fulfilled his promise the first time around. But Jesus isn't just coming the first time. He promised unequivocally he will come again. So well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, they didn't believe it the first time. <laughs> but he came nonetheless, and he's going to come again. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. For the Christian, the Advent time is also a time to remind us of the second coming. As the Lord said, are we paying attention? Pay attention. Watch. Are you ready? 
We read in the epistles in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Look, he says, you eagerly wait for the Lord Christ to, to come back again. Our problem is, number one, a lot of people aren't even aware that he's coming, and many more are certainly not eager about it. Uh, we kind of get distracted by the cares of this life. And this is a good time every year to focus. You know, Jesus is coming again. What are we doing? Are we looking forward to his return? It says, uh, we're eagerly waiting for him to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into his fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that is what we're going to do. Scotty, can you do me a favor and grab my water there? You can tell it's winter. There's no more water in the air. I hate preachers who drink in front of everybody. Because then you're thirsty. <laughs> I always, but I, I got to do something. Can't breathe. All right, so we often marvel as we look at the advent of Jesus into this world the first time. So let's reflect there to start with. In Luke, the second chapter, we've heard these verses many times. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took place when, uh, while Quirinus was uh, governor, uh, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, which is a, a feeding trough, which is amazing <laughs> that the creator of the universe would come this way. And the reason they did that is because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, it's hard to imagine if the innkeeper or any of those people had a clue as to who this child was, they would have made every possibility, given up their own room for the child, but they did not know. They were unaware. Uh, and that's the first thing that we notice about the Christmas account, is despite the fact of waiting for thousands of years for the first coming, and it's already been 2,000 years before the second coming, but it'll eventually come, uh, they were just unaware. They weren't paying attention. They didn't know what was going on. In uh, Luke, the second chapter, we read about uh, the shepherds that uh, were the only ones who received a proclamation that Christ had been born. It says here, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were greatly afraid. You can imagine. These are guys who've never seen a light bulb. In the middle of the night, all of a sudden, this angel shows up and starts talking to them. And uh, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. <laughs> Easy for him to say. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. He's making this proclamation. The Christ child has been born. For there's been born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And as if that wasn't bad enough to have one angel glowing, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now this is curious. Why shepherds? Now, there was very much a, uh, you know, we talk about the economic haves and have-nots and inequities in Western culture, but it's nothing compared to what it was 2,000 years ago. I mean, you were poor, you were extraordinarily, insanely poor, and all the way up. Uh, and at the bottom of all of this, you know, were servants and people like shepherds. They were nobodies. Nobody knew who they were, nobody knew their names, it's not even recorded here. Why in the world would angels come and make this great proclamation to the lowliest of the people around them? Perhaps because they had humble hearts. Perhaps maybe they were of the few who were looking in anticipation of the Messiah. They were all aware of this promise. They'd been waiting a long time. Maybe they'd been chatting among themselves saying, man, I wonder when he's going to come. We know he's going to come someday. Maybe it was that kind of an attitude that as God is looking, there's some guys that we want to make this proclamation to. And these angels show up and make this glorious announcement. Then we have the account of Herod uh, and the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Now, not to mess with your pretty picture in your head, but you know, all the mangers have the shepherds and the wise men all there. This was after Jesus had been born. Some theologians think one, probably two years later, he's, still, he's a little guy at this point, uh, before these guys showed up. Because they saw the star in the east at his birth. Well, it's not like they hopped on Delta <laughs> and buzzed to town. You know, they had to walk with camels from the east to finally get there. So it had been a while. But anyway, uh, in the days of Herod the king, behold, these wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now this, when they came into town, it was no small deal. We don't know how many guys there were. It's often said three because we sing, we three kings of, but that's just the song. We have no idea how many of these guys were. But when they came into town, it was a big deal, all right? Say, how do you know that? Because when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. They all were aware. These guys showed up. Not only were they aware of this caravan shows up with these extremely wealthy men, and they were extremely wealthy. It was these wise men, these kings, whatever, from, from the east. These guys were loaded for bear, and they brought an enormous amount of wealth to the uh, Christ child. I promise you, it's kind of a side note, but when after these guys showed up, Joseph and Mary were not worrying about making rent payments for a long time, all right? They came with gold, you know, and it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't just a gold watch, you know, from one of the jewelers. It was a lot of gold, and they were set. Frankincense, all this valuable stuff shows up. So anyway, the whole city sees this. They hear that the Christ child has been born. Now, they have been waiting for thousands of years for this event. Now, the only ones who really knew about it were Joseph and Mary at this point and some shepherds that, you know, uh, nobody knew. They're certainly far away from Jerusalem. And now they hear about this event, and uh, not only do they know that it's happened, uh, they know exactly where it's going to happen or where it had to have happened. 
Because what happened, it says, when King Herod heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, all the religious people came together, and he inquired of them where the Christ child was to be born. So they said, I have no idea. No, they knew exactly where. They said, according to the scriptures, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, because it's written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They heard the announcement, the whole city was aware of it, and they knew exactly where he was to be born, and the entire city did nothing. Nothing. No one could be bothered. Now, this is a big deal, right? The Messiah, come on, for heaven's sakes. They've been waiting all this time. These guys show up, oh, it's happened. They got the star, oh, and where was it? Oh, yeah, it's going to be in Bethlehem, and, you know, but I got to, you know, wash my goldfish today or whatever. They're, they're way too busy with their everyday lives to go. They, Herod sends the wise men to go check it out, but nobody else went with them. Nobody else cared. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. So the question for us today is, where are we at with our advent? Are we the kind of person that is just kind of clueless? I mean, nobody knew what was going on. The guy who had the innkeeper didn't know what was going on. He was clueless. Uh, everybody except for the shepherds in that whole area didn't know anything about it. They were clueless. And the entire city of Jerusalem, after being dramatically awakened by this event because of this big caravan of these big guys coming through and Knowing where he's going to be born, no one does anything. And the reason is, seriously, is they just were too busy with their own lives. That is something the Bible warns us about over and over and over again. Jesus himself. That's why he said, watch, therefore. Pay attention. You do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And I dare, uh, dare say that most of us are on the verge of sleeping. We need to constantly be aware. This life is temporary. This is nothing. We're, this is all temporary. Don't get rocked to sleep by the comfort of this life or the pursuits of this life. Now, we do have pursuits of this life. It is what it is. We all got to live. We all got to come up with money to survive and all the stuff that we got to prepare for and all the in-laws and psychotic people are going to come for Christmas and we got all kinds of stuff that we got to prepare for all of this. And I get it. And you can do that and still be aware. That's the call. Don't let that stuff rack you to sleep to where you're just thinking that life is just going to go on its merry way always. So this Advent, as we look forward to and anticipate the coming again of our Lord, we are launching our legacy campaign, our annual legacy campaign, a special offering during this season of Advent. We give gifts to our friends and our children, our family, and we want to encourage you to give a gift to God, to the church, to ad, uh, uh, continue to build a legacy of something that will last for a long, long time. Now, the question is, oftentimes we come up with a goal. People say, how much is our goal this year? Well, our goal this year is actually not an amount. We're not looking for a specific amount. Our goal this year is 100% participation. We want everybody to do something. 
So, well, how much should I do? It depends. Where are you at? Some of you have had a great year, a fabulous year. You're in a strong place financially, and you could give a very significant gift uh, because you say, why would I do that? Because you're thinking in anticipation of the second advent that's coming. Now, this world is temporary. Jesus said, don't lay up treasures for yourself just here on earth. Do it in heaven. Stuff that you do will add and build into eternity, and there will be eternal rewards. Uh, Becky last week talked about this long rope of our lives, and our life is this much of that rope, and the rest is eternity. And for many of us, the only thing we'll have going for us is what happens here. We're just going to ignore this. And that's a sad, sad situation. We want to be thinking forward into eternity. Because I know people don't you, why do you preachers always talk about money? We can love God without giving? Actually, you can't. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart's in the kingdom of God, there will be reflected in your treasure. Now, it doesn't always have to be money. It can be time, talents. But most likely, for most of us, it will be money. Money is a direct reflection of our toil on this earth. We spend all this time working, 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 working. And for your work and your toil, you, are, you receive money. When you give money back to God, you are thanking him for blessing your life. A lot of us don't have the extra time and talents to give much uh, back to the kingdom of God, but we can on a regular basis, as the Bible tells us to, to give financially. So, well, I do it every Sunday, and that's good. That's what we should do. But we're just asking you to do uh, what you can. Um, some of us, again, have been really blessed. Some of us this year has been lousy. <laughs> we don't really have much. Some of us have had... Uh, financial setbacks. Um, actually, this has been really a lousy year for us. <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> it's not, don't worry, we're fine. But it's not been, you know, I've had money and not have money, and I like the having money a lot better than the not having. It's not nearly as much fun. Personal experience. Maybe you enjoy not having money. I don't know. So, you know, I can't do as much as I've done and I want, but that's okay. You know, we're thinking long term. We don't panic when everything doesn't go exactly right. Which, by the way, side issue. We need to teach people how to fail. How to handle failure. You know, the suicide rate, the reason it's so high is because people today in America don't know how to handle failure. Something goes wrong and they off themselves. I ain't offing myself. There's people, they will take their lives this week, young people, because their boyfriend dumped them. Are you kidding me? Why would they think this way? Something goes bad in business, they off themselves. Something goes bad, something goes, and they, they become hopeless. Man, I'm telling you what, people, we need to learn to fail. And do it really well. <laughs> and by that I mean, so what? So what? If, God forbid, if my wife leaves me, I ain't offing myself. I might hire a hitman for her, but I ain't doing it to myself. <laughs> for heaven's sakes, learn to handle fail. If those things don't turn out, so what? I lost my job. So what? I don't know. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, I do know what it's like. I've been in all those categories. All right? Just continue to serve God. You know, everybody wants a miracle, right? Everybody loves the idea, but nobody wants to need a miracle. But you only get a miracle if you need one. So when you get in a situation where you really need a miracle, you should be thinking, this is my chance for a miracle. Have some faith. See what God will do. And God shows up and does wonderful things. It's not a time to off oneself. Somebody say amen. All 12 of us here. Praise God. All right. So, good preaching, Pastor. Amen.
All right, so anyway, during Advent, we receive a series of special offerings that we call legacy. Just like we give special gifts to each other, we're going to do a special gift to the work of God. Something above and beyond that is intended to create a lasting impact or legacy in this world and in the world to come. We need to think long term as people of faith. Let's build something that lasts way past us. You know, I believe you mentioned something about churches that sometimes take a really long time to build. I was, where was I? <laughs> it's a blur. I go so many places. I think it was New Zealand. And uh, this church was having this big celebration because they finally had finished their building. And they were excited because it took 150 years. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Of course, this is one of these yo mama massive cathedrals, okay? Started 100. Now, who in the world says, let's start a project that by the time I'm dead will only be a third of the way through? Not me. <laughs> I don't think that way. As Americans, we don't think that way. You know, when you travel around the world, you go to Europe and stuff, they've got buildings that have been there for 2,000 years. I mean, it's amazing. You know, we built something quick. It starts to fall apart. We tear it down, build something else, put it in a mall, you know, whatever. We're just fine. We're Americans. That's what we do. There's something amazing about Talk about a sense of legacy. Not only will I be dead by the time we're third due, but then our grandkids, will, our children will be dead by the time the next third is done, and their children will be dead by the next third, third finally, and then it'll be the fourth generation who finally enjoys the finished product. Talk about legacy thinking. Talk about long term, man, having an impact for a long time. Wow. We need to think long term. One of the knocks on independent churches like us and evangelicals in general is they're very short term thinking. You know, we need to think long. Let's make a big difference for a long time. Not just today, but something that lasts beyond our existence on this planet and do it intentionally. Sadly, we tend to think, one of the nice things, you know, there's positive things and, and both, then negatives, I get it, between traditional churches like Catholics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, all that, and the more evangelical churches like us. But the thing, I, I got a hand to the, to the other guys, man, they, they think long term. They just do, and we don't, and I think we need to think more like that. I remember talking to this one guy, Lutheran. <laughs> he was all excited because they were getting a new pastor. He said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, our current pastor is horrible. He's horrible. Nobody can stand him. He's so boring, so dry, completely clueless, totally unconnected from the congregation. I said, wow, how long has he been there? 25 years. 25 years? You know how many people, evangelicals, leave their church after three weeks of something in the way they want it? If the choir can't sing anymore, if the pastor does something, I mean, they didn't last. There's no sense of faithfulness among evangelicals. It's just awful. Let us not be like that. Let us be long-term thinking, yes, I love this place. I'm committed to everybody around me. Even if you suck, pastor, I'm still here. And because you're older, you'll probably be dead, and I'll still be here. Praise God, all right? So, I mean, let's think long-term. Let's get a change in our thinking. So, anyway, we need to make a commitment to having a legacy. So, the question is, am I actively looking forward to the next Advent? Not just this Christmas, thinking about the previous Advent, but the second one. Or am I as clueless as the innkeeper, uh, as the people of Bethlehem were, and as of the citizens of Jerusalem, to me, that's the worst group. They just couldn't be bothered. Man, let's not be that way. Let not our names go down as the group of people that just really didn't care. We've got other things to worry about.
Let's think long term. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion, which won't take really long. <laughs> Positive sometimes, even in the worst of situations. Let's go see. Celebrate failure. Praise the Lord. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why do these storms come on Saturday night? Have you noted this? What is that? The snow comes from the devil, clearly, is what the problem is. <laughs> Unless you have snowmobiles, then it's a blessing from God. I'm looking for a blessing, actually. But anyway, yeah, Saturday. Couldn't happen on a Thursday or a Tuesday. But let's pray this is... What, that whatever future storms come, oh, Lord, may they come during the week. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, so anyway, uh, we're going to get ready to take a communion together now. Um, and speaking of Advent, which means coming, uh, Jesus came so that we could experience forgiveness, grace, eternal life because of the sacrifice that he gave upon that cross. And we're going to think about this now, that when Jesus' body was broken for us so we could be whole, his blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sin. My question, of course, to you, to people watching us online, television, whatever, uh, have you experienced an advent in your life, the coming of Christ into your life. If you haven't, I want to encourage you this morning. You can join with us. If you'll open your heart to God, asking, ask him to come in. You can experience the advent of Christ coming into your life and changing your life, forgiving you of all your sins. You can do this with a prayer. You say, is it that simple? Actually, it is. You know, I mean, life can be hard, you know, long-term, <laughs> sticking with our commitments, all that stuff. But when it comes to this, it's just a matter of believing and trusting and receiving, opening our hearts to God. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He says, anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And that's what we want to talk about and think about as we take communion. We're going to say a prayer together this morning. I want to invite everybody to bow their heads and repeat this prayer with me. If you will pray this prayer uh, sincerely from your heart, if you've never truly experienced God's grace, before in your life. You can do it now, really, just right now. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come now, Lord Jesus. Create an advent in me. Amen.